Hello and welcome to Secret Oranges, the podcast where Florida Man reveals the secret origins of comic book fans from around the world, why they collect, what they collect, and what they think of the state of the hobby today. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Glenn. I am your host for this, our, mm, let's make it our fabulous fifth issue. And have a great interview coming up uh, for you here in just a moment. Did want to address a couple things that I got as feedback from previous episodes. One of the biggest ones was that there was an audio issue with the uh, last podcast, a sound clip that maybe ended up just being misedited near the end of the podcast. So I do apologize for that. I'm very much a rookie when it comes to this. No excuses, but still learning. So I appreciate your patience as we try to fine-tune things as we go. We'll also say a little bit of an audio issue with the uh, the interview that's coming up here today. There's a, a, not really a lag. I guess there it seems there's a, there's a bit of a lag where almost it seems like I'm addressing comments as they're being said or almost before they're being said, and I'm not sure why that has not happened before. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that as well. Um, all of those things being said, all of these horrible negative things that I'm telling you about lead up to, I believe this is a great episode. I believe it's a great interview with a really unique point of view, uh, maybe the first one that we've heard uh, on this series so far. So I do hope you enjoy it. My uh, my guest is a, is a friend of mine, and I've actually been interviewed on his podcast a few times, and I really enjoy talking comics and, and comic histories with him. He knows his stuff, and he's a fan at the end of the day, so I, I really appreciate that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and tell you how to get a hold of me and get you right to the good stuff. By email, you can reach me at secretorangesfl at gmail.com, over at Twitter, at Secret Oranges 1, and on Instagram at Secret underscore Oranges. Reach out to me, feedback, books you'd like to recommend. If you want to volunteer as tribute to appear on the podcast, that would be fantastic. Always looking for guests and new folks to talk to. So uh, please hit me up uh, whichever way you wish. Without further ado, for real, let's go ahead and get to our next interview. All right, we are here with Daniel. Daniel, thank you very much for joining me today. Always, and, no uh, problem. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, you know, having me on your show on Creases and Corners. So turnabout is fair play. I knew I had to get you on here. So uh, are we ready to find out your uh, secret origin? Let's put it this way. I'm not that hard to get onto a podcast. And as far as my secret origin, it's really not much of a secret, but it. I'll tell you anyway. So what do you, you want to know first? Know how you discovered comic books in the first place, how you even were made aware of their existence well well let's see i was about six years old that was 1989 my grandmother was talking to my mother in her kitchen she asked me to leave i have no idea what the conversation was about i mean i obviously don't remember it was more than 20 years ago and i can't remember what i ate for breakfast this morning so forget that conversation anywho I was asked to leave the room. I went into the living room. I'm sitting on her green little swivel chair that she had sitting in the middle of the floor. I looked over at the bookshelf. I kind of said, oh, wait a minute. There's a book there that doesn't fit in with the rest of them. I said, that's a comic book. I kind of just got up. I went over, plucked it out of the rest of the books. And that's how it all got started. It was an Archie Sorian game. I don't remember the cover, the number, but I remember the cover. 
They were at a bowling alley. It was their 45th anniversary. So it was about 1988 that that book was published. I found it, you know, it was just about a year later afterwards. Do you have any idea how it got there? I mean, was she a, a reader of Archie or how, how else would that have ended up there? Oh, no, 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 no. She would not read Archie comics. She probably just did Got that it. for the grandkids, if anything. She was probably more... She read the National Enquirer. I mean, this woman loved okay. her tabloid magazines. She was not a comic book reader yeah. in the least. So the fact that that comic book was there, she probably just picked it up at the grocery store because she figured, okay, one of the grandkids or someone will enjoy reading it. And that somebody turned out to be me. Beautiful. All right. So what happened after that? You read it. And you obviously enjoyed it. So what happened next? Where did you start trying to get a fix for these books? Well, at the time, I didn't really know about comic book stores. I mean, because when you're six years old, you don't really have that capacity of understanding. Okay, there's a comic book store. I'm going to go in there and buy all my things. So you buy them at the corner store. You buy them at the Max Milk. You buy them at the Becker's. You buy them at the grocery store, at the little newsstand checkouts or wherever they sell magazines. You figure that's the option that you have because if you don't know about a comic book store then it's not really in your conscious thoughts and you say to yourself okay i'll just go wherever they have a magazine rack so did you stick with archie's up front or did you end up kind of moving into new genres from there well let's put it this way i was probably for the first i'd say 10 to 12 years i'd say 100 percent of my collection was nothing but archie and then it slowly gradually evolved into other things. I mean, I've got Marvel, I've got DC, I've got some lower print comics, I've got some oddball books, I've got Elric, I've got some really strange stories from the 90s, but I'm a 90s child, so that's the unfortunate situation of where I had no option but to pick up those books from that time frame. And of course, that's when everything was being churned out in the millions. So of course, that's what you have to read, and that's what you're stuck with. You got no real choices at that particular point. True, in time. especially when you're not, you know, like you said, you're not aware or have access to a comic book store. You're pretty much um, limited to what is available to you from the stores that your your mom might bring you to, or your grandmother may go to and pick up something and bring it back for you. So you're you're kind of beholden to them to to kind of you know hook you up. So I could see being in the '90s. Uh, if you were starting superhero stuff, if you were doing Marvel, were you doing kind of the, the Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld stuff, or did you not get into that? Actually, I didn't really even know about that oh. until later. See, the thing was, my mother was one of those where she knew I loved Archie comics, and that's basically all she bought for me. I wasn't even really into the superhero genre until oh. much later. I would say that didn't about maybe 10, 15 year, years into my collecting so i didn't start doing that until about maybe eight nine years ago and that was when i really got into the superhero collecting but that didn't start until much later on what even and and i know you and i obviously have 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 talked many times prior and i know that you still have a love for those those archie books and those stories and that in the era you know that you were you were reading what is it about those particular types of books, those that all ages sort of thing, what is it that keeps you coming back? Because obviously, like you said, you're into heroes, you're into small press, you're into indie stuff. But what is it about Archie that kind of keeps you coming back to it? Well, I guess the fact that it reinvented itself, I'd say probably about 2013 or 14, somewhere in there is when they started up the new series. It kind of said, okay, we're not going to tell in the same haha, silly jokes, okay, everybody's fine type of story. 
then they started getting into the horror things of the Sabrina chilling adventures and then the afterlife with Archie and then Vampironica. I mean, that's when things really started mm-hmm. to turn around for them because Dan Parent, even on my podcast, he said to himself, he found the stale, stagnant, same old stories. Nothing was getting done. Everything was just repetitive. They were churning out the same things and he just felt it was time to start over. And he approached his boss and he said to them, I need to start a new story. And he said, you know what, go for it. Because they were feeling the same oh, thing. Oh, so the, the publisher actually was felt that things were kind of stagnant. Yes, wow. he did. Okay. So so Dan Parent, at least in part, was responsible for kind of the resurgence. Because if, if those changes didn't happen, you wouldn't have Riverdale. You you wouldn't have some of the pretty shocking stories. You had the, the death of Archie. Um, you had the introduction of Kevin Keller. You had um, you know, and all sort of guest appearances, crossing over with Kiss, crossing over with all, all sort of different things, Sharknado, Predator. And I read some of those books, and they're fantastic. I mean, they're great entertainment in and of themselves. So I, I, I guess uh, a tip of the hat to Dan Parent for kind of speaking up and saying we need to kind of do a reboot. I mean, every other company's done a reboot, right? So why not Archie? Well, and that's just it. I mean, how many times can you tell the same story after 75 plus years? I mean, they got to do something to refresh the Oh, ab- Absolutely right. And the thing for me, though, is that I didn't have nearly as much exposure to Archie as you have had. But I can so I can go back and, actually, and look at like the Dan DiCarlo days. And Dan DiCarlo is like and that's just, an icon as far as Archie is concerned. And I love his stuff. And, and, you know, and that's just it. Archie never really had that mass appeal to everybody. It was just one of those everybody seemed to think, oh, they're only for girls or they're only for, you know, silly housewives or something along those lines. No, it's for anybody who wants to read it. It doesn't have to carry that stigma with it. But for some reason, it always seems. And that really is unfortunate because there were some great uh, uh, storytelling, great artwork and really some excellent What's the, the word I'm looking for when w- just some great messages, kind of like the after school special sort of feel. Uh, there was there was one particular story I remember where they pretended uh, Archie and one of his friends pretended to be um, homeless in order to get this young person who would run away to actually go back home because they didn't want him to be in danger or have any trouble. So they kind of talked him back into going back home and kind of working it out with his parents instead of running away from home. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty deep for a, a kid's book. You know, and that's just it. Not everybody understands. Some of those stories were not exactly aimed right. at a younger audience. Some, most of them were, but for the most part, you got to realize there's a little more diversity involved than what is on the surface. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and I think if you, just like any other piece of literature, you can kind of read between the lines and pick some additional things out. I mean, sure, like you said, it was the funny ha-ha. Almost every page, regardless of how long the story was, almost every page ended with a joke, and then you turned and the story continued. Then there was a punchline. So the amount of effort that had to go into the writing of these stories, not just the artwork, but the actual scripting and writing, was, was pretty incredible. And I think it is more it would be more appealing if people gave it a shot. They'd go, wow, there's actually some substance. You know, and it's funny you say that. You were talking about Kevin Keller. Archie took a bullet for him because there was an assassin that appeared at Mm -hmm. Pop's chocolate shop. And let me just say right now, 
for something along those lines to happen to Archie taking a bullet for an openly gay character in a storyline that took a lot of guts for them to say, okay, we're offing our main character, but it definitely drew some attention to the comic book and to say, okay, we're not for just kids and housewives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I did read uh, those, those uh, issues right, right before and right after that and kind of the aftermath of it. And I was really surprised and impressed at how well they handled it. And you're right. Um, for, for them to say, we're going to take this character that's been around for, what, 70 years or some, some, so I forget how, is it 70, 75, something like that? 1942, Pep Comics number 22 was their first appearance. So 67, yeah, 80 going on, yeah, going on 80 years. Um, you, you have your main character say, I am, I don't, it's, it's not about this person is gay. It's not about whatever. It's this, this is this person. I'm going to save this person, just a person who was in trouble. And yeah, it, it was, it was heavy. I read it. And even though it was drawn in cartoony, you know, style and whatever, it was still a pretty heavy hitting story. And it was, I was really impressed by it. I was actually really, really pleased that they, they took that route. Um, but I'm glad that they've been able to reinvent themselves. And, you know, and, uh, and Dan Parent won a GLAAD award I, for this. He won, he won a GLAAD award for telling the story of I Kevin Keller. I did not know that. Yes. Well, so that's just another reason to say that this is a legitimate art form. This is a legitimate publisher that can tell stories that aren't just for eight-year-old girls, you know, it's, or like you say, just for, for housewives. This is real entertainment and it's, and it's real fiction and real literature. You know, it's, it's no different than any other comic book on the stands as far as having merit. Moving on just a, uh, kind of a little bit, not moving on, but just kind of changing directions slightly. Have you always been, from that point when you discovered Archie, have you always been in the game as far as comic collecting and comic fandom, or have you kind of had ebbs and flows? Well, I was really collecting, I'd say, really a lot of books for probably about the first nine or 10 years. And then I took about 15 years where I had a massive dry spell. So for 15 years, I didn't buy any books anytime. And I just, anybody who bought me something, I was appreciative of it, but I did not buy any books myself because I just kind of fell out of favor with it. And I just didn't find it to be all that appealing, at least at the time. I mean, I've gotten back into it, but for that 15 years, I was really not into that. So was that more just, uh, and I'm not trying to dig too deep here, was it just more, like you said, it wasn't appealing, just other life stuff going on where you just kind of was like, meh, that, I'm kind of done with this? Well, I guess it could be a little bit of mm -hmm. all three. I mean, I was in high school. I had to focus on my studies. I had to go to college. I mean, I was just not sure. into the whole collecting at the time. And for my situation, it was just a matter of also, I needed to send my money elsewhere because when you're in college and you don't have any money, it's not going to help you get anywhere because you have to spend right. your money and, on something. And it's, it's more important to, you know, pay, uh, I don't know, for gas or car insurance or food or rent uh, than it is to go buy the latest issue of whatever. So I, I totally understand that. <laughs> um, you said your, your reading habits have kind of changed because you did kind of move on to superhero things and indie things. Is there a preference or is everything kind of equally out, you know, balanced out as far as uh, all ages stuff, superhero stuff, indie stuff? Where do you fall as far as like where you lean right now? 
Well, I'll be completely honest with you. I really don't know a whole lot about the mess of superheroes other than what I see in the movies because I watched so many of them. I know some of the stories, but don't ask me too many questions about that because I couldn't come up with a whole bunch of answers. I'd be fumbling my way through it the same way that a football player does when he's being tackled <laughs> on a 40-yard line. Okay, so so most of your superhero experience has come more from like the the media as far as movie, TV show sort of thing. Well, I actually, I did read the DC Universe reboot. I read the uh, fifth printing when they relaunched it. I would say it's probably about seven or eight years ago right now. I'm trying to remember when they relaunched it. That was the fifth printing cover, and I read the entire thing. It was a really good story. Don't ask me what happened because it was such a crazy environment that was going on. There were massive amounts of timelines mm-hmm. and crazy things That's going on. For you. But if you haven't read it, it's definitely Are worth you talking? Read. Is that Flashpoint that you're referring to or the um, New 52? No, no, no. I, I, I think... No, no, it was the DC Universe oh, Rebirth. Rebirth. Okay, got you. Okay, so the the most recent reboot. So after Flashpoint, we had New 52, then we had Rebirth. Yeah, uh, the Rebirth, um, that Zero issue or whatever it was, where it kind of showed you how it was going to go, where it had the Flash and Kid Flash, and hopefully I'm not spoiling it for anybody. Um, but you're right, there was a lot of convoluted things going on there that they tried to kind of bring all back together and say, this is our universe now. And I still don't know if it's worked, but, you know, they're selling books, so I guess it's okay. Well, yeah, exactly. Them, right? <laughs> so I, normally I would say kind of favorite character, favorite title, that sort of thing. Um, do you have a favorite character within the Archie universe specifically? Well, I don't know. I've always been, a, I've, I've always been one of those, whatever character I find myself to be most in life, I draw myself to be leaning towards and of course it wasn't until kevin keller came along that i said okay that's pretty more along the lines of how i am you know at this point i I have nothing to hide and if anybody doesn't appreciate me for who i am then okay find find something else to do no no, absolutely (laughs) and we know unfortunately with some of the the darker side of comic fandom that diversity inclusivity is not always welcome and which I find very, very sad and unfortunate and kind of frustrating. But um, as a white guy, as a straight white guy, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I, I have my pick of all of this stuff. But when you're looking, when you have someone who's trying to identify a person of color, somebody who is LGBT, um, that is trying to identify and say, well, what's for me out here? A character like Kevin Keller is a big deal. And... You know, we should appreciate that. But I, you know, I, I can't I can't preach that for too long because after a while, it seems like some people don't listen. But so you said oh, Kevin okay. Keller is, is the one that you ended up identifying with the, the most from the, the, the Archie side, kind of that character you drew to. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to give a little background on that. You see, when I was seven, that's when I figured this all out. And at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of representation and I didn't have anything to look up to or look at or even relate to in that time frame so it took a long while before something comes along and now it's a little better but it took a long time before that ever surfaced i can i can only imagine literally only imagine how frustrating that is again from you know my point of view i've got my pick of the litter i can i've got a thousand different characters that i can choose from 
um, that I can somehow try to, to identify with. So, you know, it's, it's good that this, these, these characters exist now and these opportunities ex exist now for people to say, oh, that person's like me. And when we see it in films, I mean, you look at um, Black Panther is a, is a perfect example. You had so many people of color just absolutely erupting with just euphoric that this movie was made and when it ended up being phenomenal. There were so many people that said, now I, there's people I can relate to. I can actually get behind this. I understand. This is my film. And I think that's, that's a huge win for people just in general. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. But it, it, but it, as I said, it, it takes it takes time. It's not just one of those overnight. Okay, everybody immediately is on the oh, same it, side. Re regrettably, you're you're right. Uh, it does take time, but you know, it, I'll I'll take every step that I can that I can get. Now, what about on the superhero side of things? Sorry. Is there a particular character or company well, that you kind of gravitate toward that you're like, I like this better? Well, I've always found myself gravitating towards Batman because when I grew up, I mean, I saw Batman with Michael Keaton. I saw Batman in the animated series who I always found myself to be fascinated by. And it was just one of those situations where I said, oh my God, that is so cool. They create their own tools. They don't have to report to anybody. They had a tragedy happen in their life. They took their lemons, they made some lemonade, and now they're making things a lot better. Nice. Okay. So... See, I am not personally a Batman fan, but when you say it like that, I'm like, wow, I can totally see why people would get behind that. And I know the animated series is massively popular and has generated multiple, you know, shows as a result of that, plus toy lines and movies and, and the whole, you know, kit and caboodle. And that's that's wonderful. Um, but hearing you put it like that actually makes me kind of want to back up on my I don't like Batman stance. Because uh, the way you put it, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, he did. He's, he's making good. He's doing the best he can with what he's got. So I, I like that. Of all of the stuff that you've read, is there a storyline, story arc, uh, even if it's a single issue, that has just totally stuck with you and you're like, that is phenomenal. Everybody should read it. I would say Monstrous from Image. It's about a girl who unfortunately gets bought and sold into a slave trade that they have going on. And they're pretty much doing this in an open forum. She finds herself wanting to get out of there. She does, but it's one of those, you really have to read it in order to appreciate where the story goes and how the story plays out. It's just something else. It's one of those, you say, okay, wait, who's going on <laughs> with what now? <laughs> I have started to read that. It is, there's a lot going on. So it, it does take a little bit of getting into and getting used to and kind of settling in. I will say this, I, I do enjoy the, the writing very much. The artwork is absolutely spectacular. Oh, and there was another series that I read, but I, I stopped reading it for a little bit. It was, uh, it's called Paper oh, Girls. Yeah. It's about a bunch of, it's about a bunch of newspaper girls from the 1980s who find themselves sort of at War of the Worlds mates back to the future. You didn't finish it? I read up to about issue 12 or 13, but I, I got, if I can, I, I'm going to get back into that one. But from what I understand, it's definitely worth reading. If you haven't read the first little bit of it, you know, I wouldn't suggest buying the single issues, maybe just buy the paperbacks if you can find them in the half off bin. It's a better way to go. 
or even if you just decide to go to the public library, get a card, and then you can download the app from the library and they can give you access to all of those books. There you go. That really is the way to do it. I am not personally a digital fan, but for those that are, there are so many ways to get free books. I mean, and the, the most legal way is to go to your local library, you know, get, get yourself a card. And then you go online, you got your little code and you can, you can download the, the, um, the, the book to your tablet and you're set to go. And with, uh, I would agree with you on, on paper girls. Um, that's another series that I started to read and I love Brian K. Vaughn, the, the writer on that, but he writes stories that you have to read it all in a shot in order to really get it all. If you try to read one, one month and then wait till the next month for the next book to come out and then try to remember everything that happened and keep it all straight. It's really, really difficult. It's much better read in, like you say, the trade paperbacks where you get five or six issues in a, in a shot, read them all. And you're like, okay, now I understand what's going on. I think that series ended with issue 30. I think there were only 30 books and it was done. So it should only be five or six. It was either only should be five or six books total, like trade paperbacks to read the whole thing. I think it was either 30 or 31. I don't remember the number. I could yeah, easily it's, look it's, it up. It's something like that. It's but... short. It's a short run. And I guess it's, you know, it's, it, it's begins, middles and ends. So you get everything you want, but it's a dense read. There's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, it's definitely a yes, it is. thinker. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely, especially with the time jumping back and forth and things happen and then they happen again four issues later, but you have to remember the first time it happened for it to make sense. And yeah, it's if you're not into the time travel paradox kind of stuff, it can it can mess with your head. What about <laughs> you don't what about that. Grails? What, a, what about a book that you'd love to have um, you know, if you had bottomless pockets and you could get what you wanted, what would you get? Action Comics number one. All right, and, and other than the other than the historical significance, because I think there's a character that appears in it that is pretty pretty popular now. Um, well, yeah, it's a oh, Superman. Okay. So why why that book? Is it for financial investment? Is it for the with significance? The character? What? I think it's a little bit of everything. You want it because it's the first character. You want it because of the historical significance. And you want it because it's also a bit of an investment, too. It's all a little bit of well, everything. I don't, I don't see it going down in value. Yeah. Oh, it never will. It never will. Because the thing is, there are so many, so many fake copies out there. You mm-hmm. really have to know what it is that you are doing. Because if you don't know what it is that you're doing, you are really going to be in a whole yeah. lot of hot water. You have to buy that book from a reputable person, someone who has a CGC graded copy and who you obviously have been dealing with for a long time. That's a whole yeah, other I would kettle not, of fish. I would, yeah. I, if I had those kind of deep pockets and I decided I wanted to pull the trigger on a book like that, I would definitely want to know where it was coming from. If there was, you know, what the, the history of it, whose hands it went through to make sure that it was authentic because with the kind of money you could sink into that, which could be, a million, two million, depending on the quality of the copy. Well, the most valuable copy to date was a 9.0. It sold in 2014 on eBay for $3.2 yeah, no, million. Dollars. Nope. I, even if I had those kind of, those kind of monies in my pocket, I wouldn't, I, I can't justify it. And I love comic books, but I just, I could not justify. I would have to have so much money that I wouldn't know what to do with it. I couldn't spend it in my life in order to make a purchase like that. But then what would I do with it? 
Would I just hold on to it for 10 years, 15 <laughs> years, and then flip it? I mean, I, I, you're not going to read it. You're certainly not going to take it out of the slab. So, yeah, nope. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that being a purchase for me. I have my short list of grails that I want. That, that particular book is not on it. Well, you know, it's funny you say about grail. I, I actually got a grail. And, and you, well, you know about it. It was a Spider-Man 129. Yes. yes, but you were able to, you turned that around, right? You ended up selling that. Oh, no, I still the, have it. No, you traded for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I traded about 40 books. I mean, that wasn't exactly a well, light no, trade. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. Um, but so that's, that's kind of like your prized possession in your current collection. Very nice. Yes. Um, outside of comics. So outside of this this whole world, what are you into? What do you do? Well, I play video games. I enjoy playing a lot of Mario. I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing right now. Don't play that game. It is horribly, yeah. horribly addicting. You spend way too much time playing it, and you spend way too much time saying, okay, I want this character, mm-hmm. not that one. There's even a tier ranking list for every single villager, and it gets quite <sighs> detailed. Anyhow, I, I am well. I, I'm trying to shake off a lot of weight right now because I think I've put on way too much during this yep. COVID crisis. Yep, understood. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I enjoy going for walks. I enjoy listening to music. I listen to a little bit of everything. I can go from listening to something as soft and soothing as "A Day Without Rain" from Enya to the next song coming up being "Whiskey in the Jar" <laughs> from Metallica. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's good that you are varied because we know a lot of people, just like with with comics, they get set in their ways and they like this and they don't really want to go outside that lane. This is where they this is their comfort zone. And it's nice to sometimes you know experiment, whether it's try a new band, not try a new comic, a new creator, get out there and, and try something something new. Well, and it's one of those things. Life is too short. I mean, explore other avenues. Don't be so stuck in one lane and say, okay, if, I wish I had tried that. And then, wait, wait, hold on a second. It's too late. You can't do that now. You should have, when you had the chance, read a different comic book. Try something new. Try a Red Five, a Scout comic, an Image comic. Try something that you think, okay, if nothing else, buy the Image First book. Mm-hmm. Those are a dollar. And if nothing else, at least try something that you feel okay, I might enjoy this story. You never know. And if nothing else, all for a dollar. I mean, honestly, I'm willing, I'm willing to swallow my pride, even for a Yeah, buck. you're absolutely, <sighs> absolutely uh, on track. And that's the reason why, you know, Image was, was smart in doing those Image first because, oh, did you like that for a buck? Well, you know, the series has been out for a while. You could buy the trade paperback for 15 bucks. Oh, okay. Now I'm getting six issues. So that's still value. And all of a sudden, they've got you hooked on a new series. So it was actually really, really ingenious, especially when they know that a lot of those first issues for image books end up being a little more collectible. They're harder to find and it doesn't cost them anything other than the printing cost, which they make back on the sales. So it's, it's free money to them. Oh, oh, there was another book I read, but I, again, I kind of got out of favor with it, but if you haven't read it, it's called outcast. It's again, not for kids. This thing is bloody delicious. But it is so, oh God, it is so gory. It is so good. It's one of those, if you don't understand what's going on, then you got to read it again. But it is just really good. Is that Kirkman? That's, I think that's so. the possession, demon possession book? Yeah, that's the one where the guy goes around and he. Yeah, because the they made a show based on it, right? Okay, yeah. Yes. I don't know that I... it's still on, though. 
I think it, I think no, it I don't think long. it did. I think that's the because I remember the first issue spiked for a bit because the TV show was coming, but then the TV show kind of was like a season and done, and then everybody forgot about the book. Um, but but I that's another book that I read the first couple issues and was like really intrigued, and it's a matter of going back to it, just like everything else. You only have too, so much time in your life. I want to try this. I want to try this. I want to try this, but I also need to eat and go to work and get some sleep. So it's like, what, you know, what do I do first? Well, prioritize. <laughs> yeah, well, but sometimes my priorities are not always put together in the right order. But you know, that's that's my cross to bear. Um, Daniel, before we wrap up, I just I wanted to know if there was anything that you would want yes. to promote, suggest. I know you have a social media presence. You got your podcast. What would you like to talk about? Well, you can always follow me at Daniel Bracken 32 on Instagram. I am using that as my main account. I've also got my Creases and Corners account as well, which I use to promote the podcast. And I've got stuff coming up in the pipeline. I've got another interview with Brian Glenn, who was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat. And I've also got another, I'm trying to get some more people. And I think one of them was uh, Anthony Tony Marquez, who was Kung Lao in the game i'm trying to get him but he hasn't gotten back to me yet but it's still in the works and i've also got a few other people from instagram who i will be talking to as well so there's that's, that that's excellent up. and i will say that you are definitely one of the inspirations that you know made me say you know what i'm gonna go ahead and give this a shot and see what happens because i enjoyed our conversations and i i just like the idea of where do people come from where do how did they get started what are why comic books? I believe it was at the What's hospital. If, I believe if where everything got started, I believe it was always at the yeah. hospital. Not always. There are some people that prefer to be, stay home in the bathtub. Well, I Me. wasn't one of those people. I was actually a plan C-section, believe it or not, because, well, that's what they did back then. If there was a problem with the first pregnancy, they planned a C-section for the next oh, so one. Everybody knew what was coming. There was no surprises there. Okay. Pretty much. Well, and then, of course, afterwards, you look down, your stomach is smelling back up at you, and you say, oh, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> On that note, um, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today. I do appreciate it. I expect that we will do it again. Uh, we'll maybe do a deeper dive into some of the specific things. I've actually got a few Archie um, collections, hardcovers, on my shelf that I need to get to. Maybe after I've gone through some of those, we can revisit. Uh, some Archie books specifically, but I really do appreciate your time and in joining me and I uh, appreciate the, the insight. Well, not a problem. Besides I wasn't doing anything else. So I hey, you know what? If you got 35 minutes to kill, why not talk to Glenn? That's what I say. Awesome. I'm good with that. Thank you very much, sir. And we will talk again soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. It's always a great time talking with Daniel and getting his perspective because he's into those all ages books and always kind of has been because that's where he kind of started. It's it's always it's fun to talk to him because I don't know as much. So listening to him and getting information from him and seeing his perspective is, is always really refreshing to me. And it kind of gives me a little uh, energy and kind of re-energizes me uh, when, it, when it comes to the hobby. All right, uh, one piece of business before we, we wrap up. We've got time this week to feature uh, a dollar bin find that, uh, that I found. This is actually a few months ago, 
but uh, finally got around to reading it uh, the other day, and I was really, really impressed. And it's a three-issue miniseries from Boom Studios called Seven Warriors, and it is by Michael Legali, and the art is done by Francis Manipal, and you may know him from a lot of his work over at Marvel and DC. I believe he worked on uh, some Ultimate books for a while with Marvel, uh, certainly worked on The Flash over at DC and lots of other stuff too. But uh, this book was published at the end of 2011. The first issue was November of 2011, and the two issues subsequent uh, to that, uh, the uh, second or third issues. This story actually makes me want to go read a history book, and that's not easy to, to, to make me want to do that. Um, there was one of those subjects in, in school that I never found particularly interesting, but this is, is really, really intriguing. It actually takes place uh, in a, uh, a fictional city in North Africa, and many of the places that are actually referenced in here uh, and the, uh, the different uh, tribes and the different uh, regions of the area are actually real places and, and real people. And I thought that were really, really impressive um, when I was doing some research on the book. It's a rather straightforward story of a city under siege by uh, Byzantine and Persian armies. And they're trying to sal salvage what they can of their city. And the queen decides to send her son, uh, the prince, uh, away to another city using underground uh, caverns and tunnels and then escaping through their port, getting on a ship and then sailing to this uh, new city, basically so he can continue make sure that he's able to continue the family line and that they'll still have uh, leadership for, for their city uh, while they attempt to fight these, these two uh, warring factions off. And they hire uh, Cretans, Thracians, Vandals, and Sarmatians, which are all real folks from history, um, from that region, to actually assist them as mercenaries as their entire army has been decimated in defense of this city. So uh, mom says, son, we're sending you away. And... We, we need to get you out of here, and we're actually going to use the Sarmatians, who are um, all women, all, all women warriors, to basically get you safe passage out of here. The artwork is fantastic, although the coloring is a little bit muddied, and it's kind of hard to tell some of the uh, characters apart, especially the, the women that are part of this um, troop of security, basically, for the prince. But past that, the writing is great, the story is great, and it, it might get a little bit problematic in a couple parts if you read the entire story, but overall, it's a great little adventure, and it goes south a lot quicker than you think it would, but I, I think that's the point, is that this is just how treacherous um, this, this, this journey was going to be. I strongly suggest, if you're a fan of... Uh, Middle Ages historical fiction, I would say go ahead and pick it up. There's plenty of real-life references in it. Uh, the action is great. The artwork is very well done. Again, the coloring probably is the, is the weakest part because it's hard to... If everybody has the same color hair and they're all wearing armor, it's really hard to tell them apart. He's... Uh, Manipal is definitely pulling from his, his early days, his, his artistic inspiration. There's a, definitely a Michael Turner vibe here. 
But uh, it, while Turner is not my favorite artist, I think Manipul really uh, pulls this book off uh, very well. So if you see Seven Warriors uh, in a dollar bin somewhere, please go ahead, pick it up. I think you'll uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's a, it's a quick read, three issues, uh, in and out. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you very much for listening and spending your time with me. This episode was a little bit shorter. We're going to try to keep them this way if we can. But uh, if the conversation goes, the conversation goes. And if if it's still compelling and still interesting and we're still learning things, I say, we, you know, we keep talking until we're done. So, uh, but for this week, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you again for your time. And as always, we will see you around the spinner rack. <laughs>